I said, you guys want, if I said you guys want these, everyone would have said yes. Hey, what's going on? Arden and Ben here at The Letters, kicking off the 2020 season down here in Dunedin. Ben here at beautifully renovated TD Ballpark. We're actually watching batting practice right now ahead of a great Fruit League game. The other day, Ben, we got to sit down with one Nate Pearson. Maybe you've uh, heard his name in the news a little bit. Maybe you've seen him throwing 100 miles an hour, 99, lighting up radar guns across the Grapefruit League. You've seen him in action here. Pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, it's hard to miss, right? When he's coming in throwing 100 miles an hour. But the thing for me, and I, I like, I'm just like a broken record about it. But it's the off-speed stuff, man. Like it's that wicked slider. It's the changeup, which has looked really, really good. He's got a curveball that through his first two outings of spring didn't even throw because he just didn't need it. But it's that off-speed stuff that's going to allow him to be a big league starter. It's you know, it's kind of funny. Like if he's you know, setting velocity records and throwing 104 miles an hour like he did in in the Arizona Fall League. It's almost a disappointment because that means he's coming out of the bullpen. He's just a reliever. And the ceiling for this guy is like Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, front of the rotation starter. Yeah, I don't think that's exaggerating to say that. Really, it is possible for him to reach those heights. And by no means does that make it a certainty, but he has that potential. So it'll be a lot of fun to see what he can do, I think. You know, at this point, he's going to be a starter. I don't think the bullpen is even a possibility anymore, at least, you know, for the short and medium term for Nate Pearson, because what he's able to do out there is that impressive. Yeah. And that's why the development of those secondary weapons has been so important for him of really honing in on that change up, making sure the curveball and the slider are two distinct pitches. You need those as as a starter. You're trying to turn a lineup over and you're trying to show major league hitters who have all the video and preparation in the world, know everything about you. They're trying you're trying to show them different looks and you're trying to sequence things differently in order to get them out multiple times throughout a start. So we talked about that, talked about a lot of other things. Without further ado, here's Nate Pearson. One, two, inside corner, strike three, call. Wade goes down looking, and there's the first out of the ball game, and guess what? First strike out of the spring for Nate Pearson. Now the 2-2, half swing, strike three, call. Fastball at 98 on the outside black, and... Brian Reynolds looks back at Will Little as if to say, what was that that I just saw? Nate Pearson, a little bit of a surprise, back on the bump to work here in the fifth. One, two, swing and a miss. Got him with a slider. Three out of four, fan this afternoon by Pearson against the Pirates. Here comes the one, two, swing and a miss. He struck him out with a high fastball, and it was not close. Once again, Nate Pearson dominates. He's faced six hitters this spring. He struck out five of them, and he gets a huge round of applause as he comes off the mound. He's born and raised in the Tampa St. Pete area. He had a dozen friends and family right off the dugout watching his outing against New York. Moran swings and misses at a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, and listen to the crowd react. So the scoreboard does show triple digits. That baby was smoking. Nate, thanks for doing this, man. Something that I think fans maybe don't appreciate is like you live around the corner from uh, from where we are here at TD Ballpark here in Dunedin. Grew up around here. A lot of guys get drafted. They go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, They don't get to be at home. Is it kind of cool to have this whole progression being at home? 
Yeah, no, it's it's always cool because my parents can uh, come and see me whenever they want and uh, make it to mostly every game while here in spring training. But uh, yeah, it made definitely made uh, coming up through the minors a lot easier, especially in eighteen when I missed all the year the whole year with injuries. So I was able to go home and see them every day, which made it a lot better. So here we are, and you're about to begin your third full season. It'll be about three years since you've been drafted by the Blue Jays. And even at that point in time, you were a guy who was known as someone who could throw really hard, someone who had a lot of promise as a pitcher. But now, as you're on the brink of the major leagues, potentially, what are the strides that you think that you've taken since the moment you were drafted to now in 2020? You know, I think I just became an overall better pitcher. You know, uh, when I got drafted, I really just had a fastball and a slider. Uh, now I have a, a full uh, arsenal that I can uh, throw for strikes, and uh, definitely fastball command's gone a lot better, and uh, my changeups come a long way. It's one of my better pitches now, and then uh, just continue to working on off speed is what made made me so good so far. So that's what I plan on continue to do. Changeup's such a feel pitch. I mean, was it a struggle for you to pick that up? Uh, not necessarily. You know, the the one pitch I struggled most with is with the feel part of it is the curveball because I uh, it's pretty new to me but uh changeup I've been throwing for how long I've been pitching you know so it's uh, always been a pitch I've been trying to to master and everything I think I'm really getting somewhere guys have said to me curveballs they're all about the release point do you find that yeah no it's definitely uh it's definitely a feel pitch you know be able to just throw it in there for strikes and a lot of guys that have really good ones can throw it whenever they want they can bury it for a strike three or they can the first pitch strike you know that's what I kind of have with my slider right now and I'm trying to incorporate that with my curveball as well so obviously the attention on you in the course of spring training is mostly when you're on the field and you know we see you on the mound touching triple digits 99 whatever it is and of course fans gravitate to those numbers and those radar gun readings and I think that's pretty understandable but you know of course there's a lot that goes on between starts so what's your routine between starts for something like arm care like take us through you know between one outing to the next the way you would try to take care of your arm and your body and make sure that you're ready. Yeah, you know, I take uh, uh, really care of my arm and uh, really treat it uh, very well and with the recovery aspects. You know, I'm always uh, doing something to help better myself and keep my, keep myself on the field. So, you know, after uh, after an outing, you know, I'll do some arm care just to kind of unwind, you know, get the body uh, relaxed and do a, ser- a series of exercises just to just to cool my, my arm down and uh, get ready for the to start the recovery process that night and then uh, make sure I get a really good night's sleep, at least eight hours, and uh, make sure I get a good meal in the night before. You know, you don't want to put in uh, too many uh, bad things in your body, especially after having a high-intense day of being on the mound, you know, so you want to come in the next day and be ready. So, you know, I get, get, get some good sleep and then I come in the next day and I work out, um, get my body ready, prepped, and uh, get a good lift in. It's a pretty intense lift. You know, I kind of get after it, you know, sweating a lot and, um, and then I go and get ready to go play catch, you know, play light catch. And then I, uh, after that, I get my sprinting in, do uh, some long sprints, use some uh, cut 120s or something like that, where it's like a down and back, you know, almost like a suicide, you know, really, really get after it. I'm kind of beat after that. And then I go into do some more uh, light arm care the next day, you know, just kind of some scap stuff. And then uh, go into the training room and uh, whether it's uh, cold or hot tubs or uh, some soft tissue from the the staff, you know, make sure everything's good, you know, because I'm probably a little bit sore and I don't really get sore that much, but, uh, you know, just something to stay on top of. And the next day is my side and I treat it just like a normal game day. I'm around the same prep and everything and uh, get my side in, try to do the best I can, you know, work on whatever pitch I'm working on. And then I go into the same arm care I do after post game and then uh, same recovery, you know, I may go in the hot and cold tubs depending on how I feel. Um, 
and the next day after that's uh, uh, another lifting day. And then I go and uh, I lift in the morning, and then I go out and uh, play catch, you know, work on uh, my pitches, you know, throw some uh, off speed. And then I uh, have conditioning after that again, and then um, go in and do arm care again. <laughs> you know, I yeah. do about arm care just about every day. Yeah, <laughs> just a couple quick things. Yeah, this is a lot. Like, yeah, I know. I mean, I stick to it pretty religiously, you know, like, so I know exactly what I have to do each day. So it's pretty, I'm pretty detail oriented. As uh, you can ask anyone, they'll know I'm always doing something. It's kind of funny, right? Like, you think of the stereotype, and this probably wouldn't apply necessarily to, to pitchers making their way up toward the major leagues, but, you know, you think of pitchers, they have the pitch few days off spring training get a golf round in you know take it easy maybe get a few beers or whatever the case and then you're back on the mound but that's not at all what you're no saying. not not at all i mean it's i'm i'm the same a lot of other pitchers are just like me you know it's like when we come to the field like we we got stuff to do you know we're still working it's like you know we pitch every five days but it's like we got we only got one day out of the five days to you know get a good outing and you're like especially if you have a bad one that that bad one's hanging over your head for the next four days so it's like it's not like you're a reliever where you throw like once every two days or something where you can like bounce back real quick so you really put all your effort into that next start you know knowing who you're facing and uh really preparing just have success on the mound what kind of tools do you use to track your recovery and to track your workload in between outings oh i, I wear a whoop i have it on right now uh, a lot of the guys wear it uh it just tracks my recovery. Uh, it gives me a recovery score every morning, uh, how I slept, and uh, measures my resting heart rate and then my uh, HRV, the heart rate variability. You know, so it tells me how how well I slept and what I can do to make that better. You know, because that's where you do all your recovering at. And then I also use, uh, I don't know if you see me running out there, I have the catapult, like it's yeah. almost like a bra. It's pretty funny, but it has like <laughs> a, a sensor in the back and it tracks my workload, like how many throws I do, how my uh, my work goes on the field where whether it's pfp or running or anything like that and then uh, uh that's about it for tools of measurement and everything but yeah so you'll take that data and that feedback and you'll say all right maybe tomorrow like one less sprint is that yeah, how you I mean well i usually don't look at the the catapult thing it's more mainly for the the jays to follow just to see how i'm uh progressing you know if they see any major like uh, slides down they can tell that I'm maybe getting fatigued or tired so they can change my maybe my lifting a little bit so I don't get uh, too gassed out or whatnot so uh, I think it's a good tool have you always you're someone who, who as you talk about this there's clear familiarity with with all this stuff you sound comfortable with it has that always been the case like when it comes to gathering information like has, have you always had that kind of a, a comfort level with it yeah I mean I'm always trying to learn and uh, each year I learn I probably add something to my routine and maybe take something out that I feel like I need like the whoop has been a very big part of my my daily uh, recovery and uh, tracking that and uh, I didn't obviously I didn't do that in high school or in college or maybe in my first two years in pro ball but you know every year's you're adapting to the new technologies and whatnot and I'm just using every bit of resource I can to make sure I'm the best so this will be a weird question but what did you weigh in high school uh high school i was probably about the heaviest i got probably my junior year i was probably about like 265 and then my senior year i dropped down to like 225 and then i lost a bunch of velo and then i gained some uh weight back and i got up to like 250 and then uh and then in college i got back up to like 265 and then my first year in vancouver i was like <laughs> i was pretty heavy i was like 270 272 and then now i'm about 250 so i lost quite a bit of weight since i've been drafted so what happened in vancouver you know, Vancouver, you know, everyone just, all the, all my teammates, everyone just got drafted. So we're like kind of like on a high, like, you know, we're in pro ball, you know, this is awesome. Like in Vancouver, it's a sick place to play, you know, so it's a, uh, you're playing in front of 6,000 fans every game and it's very uh, intense and everything. So, 
you know, I was just trying to get acclimated to pro ball. I mean, obviously I didn't take my uh, uh, nutrition as serious uh, coming from college, that college diet, you know, I'm sure you guys can relate, you know, it's not really I'm the still best. on it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, you know, it wasn't the best diet for a professional athlete, but you know, I learned uh, mainly the next year in 18 when I missed the whole year, how to take care of my body and really prepared me for success in 19. When you talk about diet changes, like are there certain foods that you've subtracted, maybe, you know, regrettably, maybe you miss them or, or anything that you've added, you know, in the course of the last few seasons? You know, it's mainly just make sure I get my my nutrients in, whether it's supplements or vegetables or whatever the case may be and limiting like fried food and uh, abundance of sugar. You know, I like sweets as much as the next guy, but you know, that's obviously not the best for you, especially right after an outing when you're trying to recover the best. And uh, so, you know, it's all about how my body feels the next day and the days after that. So it's all about what you put in your body. Your mom's a dietitian, correct? Yeah, she was. She was a registered dietitian. She doesn't do it anymore, but, you know, she still cooks for all of us, so it's always pretty healthy whenever she does. I think about my mom. She feeds me pretty well. Is there a push-pull there of, you know, what you need to eat and then what your mom's putting in front of you? Yeah, no, I mean, she always puts something healthy in, in front of us. My dad's really, really healthy. He uh, doesn't eat really any, like, carbs or gluten, so he's he's super healthy. I'm not that extreme, but... uh you know, they, they're always doing kale smoothies in the morning or whatever. And I was on the off season. That's all I would do in the morning. I wouldn't even have breakfast. I always have a kale smoothie because it has all the nutrients I can need as for breakfast and it checks off all the boxes. So it's, it's stuff along the lines that she just goes above and beyond, which I'm very thankful for because, uh, not a lot of people have that luxury. You just feel kind of nice and light after a smoothie, like coming into it. You're talking about how stressful, like how much work you're doing in a day. Yeah. You don't want to have a massive meal in here, right? Yeah, exactly. So like I'd wake up and, uh, probably about like seven thirty, eight o'clock in the off season and I'd drink my smoothie on the way, on the way to the gym. And then I'd feel pretty light and, but I wouldn't be hungry. So it'd be like the perfect balance to, uh, have enough nutrients in me to burn a bunch of calories and lifting and throwing and uh, whatever I have that day. And then after all that's done, then I can refuel again. And, you know, whether it be uh, something I grab on the way home, um, like a bowl or something, or, you know, whether the case may be, you know, something good to just fill me up and get ready for uh, to relax the rest of the day or whatever I have. So. You mentioned uh, sleep a couple of times and Another pitcher, Justin Verlander, I think has been, you know, on record as saying that he tries to sleep. I think it's ten hours a day, like even yeah. more. You said minimum eight. Do you have targets? It's obviously tough, like with your schedule and the demands. You guys are traveling yeah. a lot. It's not necessarily easy to just lie down and get ten hours every night. But what's your target? What would be your ideal for for sleep? You know, like right now, it's it's pretty easy to go to bed on time because like. Uh, by like right now, like I'm, my day's done. Like I'm going home and I'm either relaxing or going to do something else, but I, I can be in bed by nine 30. And so like in season, that's not the case. Cause you're, you're on basically a whole different time zone. So it's like, you get back to your place at like 1130, uh, maybe even later sometimes. And, but you have usually a night game the next day. So you can really sleep in and make sure you get those hours in. So it's not the end of the world, but you're kind of just on a different, time crunch really so you're not really going to bed super early but you're gonna make sure you get your hours in so how'd you learn about sleep did somebody kind of teach you about it or uh yeah. you know i just i just know it's it's good for you, you know all the studies say like you know that's when you recover the most and so i want to try to stay in it as long as i can really you know get as much uh get as much sleep as i can but not too much where i'm like groggy the next day or slow moving you know so i feel like eight hours or a little bit more is the perfect number for me 
It's funny to talk to you about some of this stuff between outings and then talk to Hunjin Ryu, who doesn't even throw sides, <laughs> you know, won't even throw bullpens. But can you still kind of learn something as well from guys who have different approaches like that? Yeah, I mean, because I can learn something uh, new every day from a different pitcher and then maybe try it. And if it works for me, it works for me. If it doesn't, then it doesn't, you know. So it's it's all different ver- variety of the pitchers we have here. You have some really veteran guys on this staff, you know, Matt Shoemaker, Tanner Roark. Like, is there a conversation you've had with one of these guys this spring where you've kind of picked something up or you've picked their brains about something? Yeah, you know, so, like, we're in the training room. Everyone's getting their treatment and recovery in. And I was uh, talking to Roark today, actually. He goes, man, all these young guys are on the table. Like, because back in the day, I guess it was frowned upon for the young guys to be getting, like, like treatment because like all the veteran guys need to go first or whatever so the young guys kind of get pushed to the side he's like yeah i'm i'm so glad it's like he was happy that he's changed like you know because like maybe when he was younger you wish he would have been on the table more getting work because it definitely helps you hang around longer in the league so it's it was pretty interesting to hear how it was back then like when he first got into the league it is like kind of absurd to think that you would have these professional athletes guys that the team wants to get all this performance from and yet you'd be like no man like you can't get a massage like that yeah, that makes yeah. no sense uh, i'm sure it wasn't the team like saying no right. to the young guys back then but like the older guys would come and mess with them the younger guys like hey man what are you doing on the table like get out of here you know like there's different ways about that but obviously the game was different back then they probably didn't have as many guys on staff for uh the athletic training for people to go so all the veterans were probably trying getting tired of waiting around because the young guys are on the table wasting up time but yeah yeah definitely seems to have changed uh for the better on that front do you ever think about what it'd be like if you came into this game in like 1994 you know <laughs> with trying to track everything and oh, caring man, about definitely, sleep definitely get made fun of uh like I already do a little bit as it is, but it's nothing bad. Like you know, guys just mess with me because I know like I really care about my craft and everything. But you know, it's it's definitely crazy to think of how far baseball has come. And then do you also get younger guys coming to you and being like, hey, like what's this swoop on your wrist or what's this, what's that? Yeah, you know, I get younger guys and older guys who really you know maybe are trying to figure something out or whatever. You know, they they see me going out there and throwing really hard and being consistent, and so they you know they I know they some of them watch me or ask me why I do certain things, and I'm able to tell them, and they're like, oh, that's interesting, you know, like or whatever you know basically not giving them advice but you know they just you know maybe see something that i do and they like it or not you know so it's good you've spent uh, over the years time at driveline baseball and, and worked with them what's one of or some of your biggest um, lessons or takeaways that you've had from them over the years whether it's something physical or even something mental or something you know along the lines of the academic or technological side of the game you know, it's basically just when I went out there, I, I found out what I do well already as a pitcher, like with whatever my pitch uh, delivery, with my uh, pitch sequencing, what I do really well. And I learned that what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are. And so I was able to focus on the weaknesses while also uh, continue to make my strengths my main priority, you know, so it's it, it was a lot of good information from being out there. So what would you say your weaknesses are as a pitcher? Uh, weaknesses is definitely uh, landing a slower um off-speed pitch for a strike that's where my curveball comes in you know I'm very focused on getting it better but you know they also said that when it comes with my fastball and my changeup and slider my changeup and slider are kind of around the same velo at some times you know my slider can be like 86 to 88 my changeup can be like 89 so it's uh that curve that's when the curveball will just make everything so much more elite because they have to respect an 80 mile an hour curveball that I can throw in for strikes and they also have to respect 100 so it's like 20 miles an hour of coverage so it makes me uh, a lot more deadly I guess if I'm able to do that some guys show up to spring trying to throw harder you're trying to find a way to find that slower pitch that's probably a better way to be going when you 
look ahead um, at the next kind of steps for yourself in the ongoing development of, of becoming a major league pitcher, what are the things that you're most looking to do? Like whether it's, again, off the field, between starts, on the mound, between innings, what, what are those target areas for you? Uh, definitely just going deep into games. You know, I want to be be able to go into the seventh or eighth or ninth and, you know, go, go, go complete games. And it's all about throwing less pitches early on in the game so I'm able to reach the that threshold. So, you know, that's what I'm mainly trying to do in camp, you know, throw as less pitches as I can in an inning. You know, um, I know I have an inning or a pitch count each time I go out and I try to just see how many pitches like I not throw in order to get three outs, you know, so I want to be able to see how far I can get into games. And that comes with just throwing strikes really and just getting quick outs, three pitches or less each to each batter. You're pretty meticulous about the physical side of things. How deep into the kind of the mental side and the sports psych aspect of being a starting pitcher do you get into? You know, like before, anytime I step on the mound, I go through like a series of like breathing and uh, like kind of meditation, I guess you would say. You know, I go through my whole wind up in my head and I go through each pitch and what it looks like coming into the catcher. Like for me, I go through my whole delivery and I throw it and I imagine it going straight into the catcher, right on the outside corner of the plate, right on the inside corner of the plate, right on the, up in the zone. I work on landing my curveball. I look at throwing my slider for a strike, also in the dirt, and I work on where I want my changeup to go and the movement I want it to see. And so I just go through all that before before I even go outside and step on the mound. And so it kind of gives me a, a warm up without even starting my warm-up so and if things aren't going your way on the mound do you have kind of mental techniques that you'll go through yeah so whenever stuff's going bad on the mound i kind of just inhale positive uh signs and exhale negative and it helps just inhale just good thoughts and exhale all the bad thoughts like man if i throw a ball right here i'm gonna walk them or like i try to stay away from that as soon as i think of something or man i haven't given up a hit yet and it's like the fifth inning you know like i'll just do it right then and just get my mind completely off that has that always been the case for you, or is this something you've kind of developed as in the last few seasons? No, I was definitely just developed it mainly this last season. I started doing it from the very beginning of the season, and it's very worked for me a lot. So that's really cool. How did that come about? When I was out in the fall league, I had a pitcher, Sean Morimondo. He's not with us anymore, but uh, we roomed together, and so we were always talking about baseball, and like he was big into that part of it, and it really helped him. And so I was like, yeah, I'll try it because I was. It was like I had two rough outings in the fall league in a row, and so I was trying to just figure something out about throwing strikes and just feeling like I'm more prepared when I get on the mound. He's like, yeah, you should try this or whatever, and you know, just work on breathing and everything. So I was like, all right, I'll try it. And the next time I did, I didn't even give up a hit, and I felt just so much more at ease in my delivery. And so I kind of just carried over into the season, and it worked really well for me. What do you think are the typical factors that can lead to you having a rough outing? Like, have you found commonalities? Like, when you've gone out and haven't felt your best, have there been specific things that have been going on? Yeah, maybe it all starts to back with my prep work or my warm-up. If I'm late to getting into the into the gym to do my prep work or if I feel rushed or if I, you know, timing's off or if I didn't get my all my weighted balls in because I have to be out on the line throwing at a certain time, you know. So that's where it all starts, you know. Or if you get in your own head about, hitters already you know like or who you're facing you know i got to make sure i land this first pitch fastball to him or first pitch curve you know so it's kind of stay away from those thoughts and just work on getting myself ready and then when the hitter steps in there just know i've already prepared for it how much preparation do you do for specific hitters like when you look at a lineup like are you knowing what you want to do to each 
particular guy or are you trying to focus more on your own strengths uh right now in spring training you know i'm kind of just seeing if what if he's a lefty or righty and that'll tell me if i'm gonna throw my change up if i need to have my change up ready or if i need to have my slider ready you know like so fastball commands big for both sides of the plate obviously but like you know knowing whether a lefty or righty is coming up kind of gives me an edge just to know like how i can attack him in very different ways going even kind of bigger picture here um what are some of the pitchers, you know, whether it's a current pitcher, whether it's someone from baseball history that you would gravitate towards, that you would like to watch, that you would be most interested by, um, that you would have liked maybe growing up? Are there any any pitchers who come to mind as, as guys that you especially like? Uh, right now, I'm definitely interested in Garrett Cole. Obviously, the past two years, what he's able to do. And I feel like we're similar pitchers in that sense of power with the same type of pitches and everything. So I like to see what how he competes and how he goes about each hitters. And it's pretty impressive. So it's something I can look to incorporate in my game. Have you gone to spend any time with Trevor Bauer at Driveline? Uh, I was able to talk to him, but we really didn't dive in on anything because, you know, he was working out, so I wasn't trying to bother him too much. But, uh, yeah, he seems very knowledgeable, and I'd love to talk to him and just sit down and just see what all he knows. I see some similarities there in that, like, he's really improved his breaking stuff a lot over his career. You've gone through, like, a similar process just a lot earlier. Like, is he a good example of how you can use the tools in today's game in order to really improve yourself quite drastically? Yeah, no, he's definitely come a long way with his off-speed, and it's uh, very impressive how he's all very analytical about it and how you're able to do that and create new pitches by just using, like, data and everything. And uh, it just shows, like, a lot of the old-time pitching coaches who are just out there just doing the eye test, you know, like, there's more to that, you know? Like, why does it do that? Why do, Why do I cast it up? Or why do I why can I not throw a first strike? Why is it? And then you just look, it's all like hand placement. Use the edutronic video to see that, you know, having all those resources can really just very take out all the slow lag time, how it takes, you know, create a pitch. Would you ever add another pitch, a fifth pitch to your repertoire? You think about that? Yeah. You know, I definitely, I definitely see that as, but I'm trying to master four right now. You know, I'm, I'm well on my way, but maybe along the lines of my career, maybe if I need to find like a, a harder like cutter or whatever like in like the 90s or whatever then i can i feel like i can incorporate that but right now i'm trying to work on that slower breaking ball like the degrom slider that's like 92 to 94 yeah. and just like yeah basically a cutter that would be awesome yeah because you've already got the slider at like mm-hmm. 87 88 so what do you think that cutter would do for you you know just some to throw into lefties you know yeah. just make them very uncomfortable you know because it looks like a fastball and it's coming in hard so they're they're selling out on a fastball and then all of a sudden it cuts in and right on their hands so it's something that i can use to both lefties and righties you're always trying to learn, you know, is there a conversation you've had with a coach here at camp or even a fellow player where you've kind of taken something away and found you got better here at, at spring this year? Uh, yeah, whenever I talk with Pete, you know, we go over what I did good and what I did bad and things I need, could probably work on. And it's uh, it's all really good information just hearing from another set of eyes and, and ears. So it's uh, it's always been good. From hearing you describe your process behind the scenes and all the work that goes into it, all the preparation that goes into it, you know, clearly you're self-assessing in a lot of different ways. So I wouldn't anticipate that you would have one stat that you would say, yeah, it's, you know, it's all about ERA or it's all about, you know, my strikeout total. But, you know, in the course of a season, do you look at any particular stat to try to, you know, get a gauge on how you're doing and and assess your, your seasons at all? Yeah, I kind of just look at like either the whip or the the walks per nine or whatever, you know, so I try to limit those because being a hard thrower, the zone can kind of get away from you sometimes because you're um, you're so like powerful and everything's coming out of one 
one shoot. So, you know, I kind of look at that over the season. Obviously, everyone looks at ERA just because, you know, that's the biggest stat. But, you know, sometimes people can get too caught up in the ERA and see, like, well, I could probably improve my ERA because my walks per nine are too high, you know. So they, they really just say, I need to get my ERA down, ERA down. But, like, how do you do that? And you look at all the other categories and you kind of get, get a feel like this is what I do bad. So We look at all kinds of stuff, FIP and, you know, expected stats. Do you get into any of those things? Uh, I really don't look at the expected stats because no one really knows what I'm going to do if I haven't done it yet, you know. So it's <laughs> kind of hard to expect something that hasn't happened. The club's going to be monitoring your workload through a number of different measures this season, you know, arm slot and release points, velocity, uh, you know, spin efficiency. Are you going to be keeping an eye on those numbers as well as, as you go? Yeah, I mean, I look at uh, TrackMan data after each start and uh, hopefully have the Rapsodo out at each side during uh, my five-day rotation. So it's uh, something I can always look at too, and I can probably see it myself and uh, probably act on it before it gets too big of a deal for the Jays, you know. So it's some that they'll see and then I'll be able to track as well. What's something that would stand out to you in that data where you'd say, Oh, I got to do something about this. You know, maybe it just, maybe it's spin rate. Cause like if your spin rate drops down a lot, then you're probably fatigued or injury or you're trying to throw through something. So that's one of the big factors. And then just, just my daily, uh, like outing velocity. If my average velocity is going down or something like that, I think those are the two big things you can tell if I'm fatigued or whatever the case may be so hopefully that never happens but you know it's a thing so well we have you here i want to ask about uh, two of the guys who play behind you uh vlad and, and Bo. obviously big prospects in their own right and had a lot of success when they got here last year you won't face them unless it's an intra-squad game or something but when you watch them as hitters in particular what stands out to you about those two guys just their able to battle off pitches like they don't swing and miss a lot like which is pretty impressive me being a pitcher that gets a fair amount of swing and misses for them to just not be able to like swing and miss on my fastball or uh my off-speed pitches is just very impressive how they're able to battle and just get to three two or whatever and either draw a walk or get the ball in play or whatever just their their eye for the baseball is pretty impressive same with Biggio, man he walks so much like he he'll get oh two and the next thing you know he's walking because he just doesn't swing or he just you know knows the pitcher's about to throw a strikeout pitch so he knows he's I don't, I don't know how he does it but it's very impressive all three of them yeah i'm glad you mentioned visual because it's actually insane with him he almost has like the plate discipline of a 15-year veteran yeah it's actually astounding that he was a rookie last year yeah because I'll, I'll be watching him when we're down here in spring training and they'll look like a pitcher will paint one on the outside corner i'm just like where was that how did he not swing at that and it's like i guess it was a ball outside or whatever he's, his eye is pretty impressive when Biggio was in double A, the track man was busted. I don't know if you heard this story. Yeah. And he's so at the plate, like he wasn't, you know, he's seeing the data and yeah. it wasn't right. And he told them, he's like, no, the track man's not working. And they went and checked it and it was calibrated no incorrectly. That's pretty cool. That's a funny story. We're, you're extremely young in this game. But when you talk about Vlad and Bo, they're even younger than you. Yeah. Uh, what do you think that it says about those guys that they were able to like get a year of MLB experience already under their belts at their age? Yeah, no, it's pretty, it's, again, it's just all impressive what they're able to do. You know, they're, they're superstars in the making, you know, they're already kind of superstars, but everyone knows who they are, but you know, they're, they're not like remotely done They're at the ceiling that they're going to be able to reach, you know, this year should be fun watching them for sure. And I think about Bo's mentality of, I want to be great. Like, I mm-hmm. want to be the best player in the field every day. And I see a lot of similarities in the way that you talk to us when we talk to you after games and after starts. Like, mm-hmm. is there a commonality there in, in you two guys and the way you approach the game? Yeah, I mean, I know the way he goes about his business, he takes care of it. You know, he's going to be the same person every day. And that's exactly what I try to do. You know, I try 
I'm trying to accomplish greatness and, you know, every, in every which way I can, whether it's using every resource that the Jays let me use, you know, it's, I'm going to use it just to get myself better. I think you've both told me separately, I want to go to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and it, like, I, we're almost not, every player should, right? Every player should want to be absolutely great, but you don't always hear guys who are willing to just come out and say that. You know, yeah, a lot of guys are here to, you know, take care of their families. That may be their, their priority goal, but, you know, for me, it's just, to achieve greatness and be in the Hall of Fame, be one of the pitchers that hasn't done something before, you know, make history, you know, whatever the case may be, I want to be around for a long time. So, Do you think the game's even changing in a way where younger guys can be a bit more self-assured of themselves earlier in their careers and, and a bit more outspoken like that? Yeah, you know, it's there's nothing wrong with telling people about your dream, you know, whether they buy into it or see it or not, it's totally up to you. So, you know, it's all about how you handle yourself and that's the really key at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, if you guys can't dream now, then, I mean, when yeah. is the time for it, really, yeah, right? When, when do we start dreaming that we want to be in the Hall of Fame and when we're 10 years into our big league career, will we actually have a shot? Or is it right now where we're preparing for, you know, that 20-year career? So it's really however you want to go about it. Nate, thank you, man. appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yo, Ben, fans usually just see the finished product of a pitcher on the mound, and they're working pretty hard in games, and we see guys go through a lot when they're actually in competition. But you don't always realize how much goes into this off the field. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable, and I, I like hearing from Nate Pearson there just the detail that he brings to his preparation and how it adds up to those moments that we're watching him when he's on the mound and making that start and getting someone to chase a slider away or a fastball up. I mean, there is so much that goes into it. And clearly, Pearson puts in a lot of detailed thought, whether it's those smoothies in the morning, whether it's a workout on his you know throw day, everything adds up to those moments when he's on the mound, whether it's mental, physical, it's, it's all directed toward that performance. And that's the key thing with him is that he's really invested in it and he's really interested in it. It's not like the Blue Jays brought him in and said, okay, you have to do this stuff. You have to monitor your sleep. You know, you have to be, um, you know, thinking this much about, you know, your workload and, and tracking all these numbers and throwing all your bullpens on Rapsodos. This is a lot of stuff that he was doing before he was even in the organization. So he kind of came in with that, that leg up and the Blue Jays are obviously able to give him a lot of resources to continue doing that. But the fact that he is internally motivated to do those things, um, I think is why you've seen the success. Right. It just works for him. I mean, you could go to the top 10 pitching prospects in baseball and some of them would be like Nate Pearson and they would want this information and seek it out. And others just wouldn't. They'd be more old school and they'd rather just go out there and pitch and maybe do their workouts and, and that's enough for them. And that's that's fine. Obviously, there are going to be different approaches to, to trying to get those results on the mound. But it is interesting to get that insight from Pearson into the ways that he tries to prepare for the games. That's Ben Nicholson-Smith. I'm Arden Zwelling. I want to say thanks to Amal Delich, our producer who has been down here with us in Dunedin, putting together these episodes. This was Nate Pearson coming later this week. We're going to have Matt Shoemaker on the pod. Two-pod week for the Athletics fans. Hope you enjoy them. Until next time, talk to you then.